From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, very good afternoon. Welcome to Cambridge 105 Radio across the city and South Cambridge. Tim Armitage is sounding very different today because it's not Tim Armitage. He's in Australia. My name is Daniel Baker and I'm sitting in for him over the next few weeks while he enjoys a well-earned holiday. He's still been watching the game, mind. Such as the beauty of uh, watching things online in a different time zone. I don't know what time zone he's in, actually. But plenty to talk about today. Cambridge United, of course, start of a new era for them. Neil Harris in charge of the U's now. We get the thoughts of Salim, Matt and Billy looking back on yesterday's match where they took on Charlton Athletic and got a creditable draw, came back from two goals down, a late fight back, getting all the reaction from our pundits and, of course, Neil Harris himself as well, the former Cambridge City striker, now in charge at the Abbey Stadium. He, of course, left Gillingham just a couple of months ago but wasn't out of work for too long. No game for Histon, though. Their game was rained off. Not a huge surprise, given there was a bit of a deluge at about 10 o'clock yesterday morning. They were meant to be playing Lutterworth, then didn't in the end, but we'll still be chatting about them. And Cambridge City, it's five defeats in a row for them. They lost yesterday to Coventry Sphinx. And Cambridge City ladies are in action later as well. They travel to Worthing, but they have got a 3G pitch. So that could come in very, very useful um, (laughs) in a bid to get the game on. They're quite fashionable these days, aren't they? If you want to get involved in today's show, you can. It's 07919 070490. Or you can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. Now, I've been thinking about this. It's the last time I did terraces. was nearly five, just over five years ago, I reckon. I was here in 2018. I think during the, the heavy snow period that we had, it was the beast from the east, if I recall correctly. It's just been raining heavily since I got here earlier on today. And I've had a cup of coffee and an egg mayonnaise sandwich to get me prepared. What, what better preparation could you get? That's the way to do it, isn't it? So, lots of great things to talk about. Of course, we'll be starting with the place we usually start, and that is, of course, Cambridge United. Okay, so Cambridge United drew with Charlton yesterday at the Vogue, beginning the thoughts of our studio team shortly. Matt Lockwood hopefully is on the line to join us. Uh, Hi, Matt, how are you doing? Hi, Ed, not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You were at the game, of course. Yes, I was, yeah. uh, Yeah, really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, well, plenty to talk about from yesterday, that's for sure. There certainly will be. So let's get the thoughts of Neil Harris then. It's his first post-match interview as Cambridge United manager. Let's hear what he had to say. Well, Neil, a point in your first game in charge and a dramatic one at the end of it, but you'll feel your side fully deserve that. Yeah, the first half, we was outstanding. You know, we was absolutely excellent. We deserved to be. I think if we'd come in 3-0 up, people would have gone, cool, Charlton got away with that. It could have been 4 or 5, but I thought we was that good. I thought we'd build pressure. I thought it was controlled. I think uh, their first shot um, in our... Well, their first shot in total was the 44th minute. That's how good we were about the ball as well. Um... Half time, we spoke about their threats and making sure we've got a reaction because Charlton at home, any team playing at home is going to have a 10 minute, 15 minute spell at some stage during the game. Um, theirs was at the start of the second half and we didn't ride it very well. So that's been my one gripe that I spoke to the players about is we've got to make sure that we'll try and be um, uh, continuous for 90 minutes rather than slipping standards at any stage. Um, but the response, the response to come back, the attitude, the character to respond to a two goal deficit. No one switched off. No one down tools. No one, no, no one, no one gave up. No one gave up, um, and the subs made an impact. And delighted for Gasan to get two goals. Yeah, you said you wanted to decide to be difficult to beat and mm. uh, difficult to play against, and you'll be pleased that they've fulfilled that brief today. Yes, yeah. Um, they're not conceding two goals. 
You know, I think we look at the goal and say, look, could have maybe made slightly better decisions at times with the ball and then against the ball uh, in our box. Um, but for sort of 45 minutes first half, our shape was was you know, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Our pressing triggers, intensity to press was excellent, and the way we built play was outstanding. We you know we, we passed the ball, we ran forward, we passed forward, we put balls in the box, we fought set plays, was a danger on set plays. But and ultimately, with just that final end product or a little bit of luck, we could have had those three or four goals. Um, it didn't materialise. But then 15 minutes to go, you know, once we adjusted the shape, we looked a real threat again. And Again, character, but the quality as well. The quality was really, really good at times. Yeah, and the first 45 minutes, you mentioned it a couple of times already. Was there a sense of frustration that you weren't ahead at the break? Yeah, yeah, massively. Like, we, we were really pleased with the performance, but, uh, yeah, hugely frustrated that we weren't in front. We, you know, we, we created enough chances to win two games of football in the first half. So, um, that's, that's that killer instinct we, you know, we need to create and need to install in the players. And the belief as well. And that comes with belief and confidence. You know, belief in the, in the manager that that wants you to try things in the box, that wants you to play on the front foot, that wants to step forward rather than backwards. Um, and it's just a style like James Brophy, for example. You know, he's got unbelievable technique and quality, and he's so selfless in his game. He's a bit more selfish. Now, when you get in the box, don't, don't pass the ball backwards, don't step backwards. No, no, you be selfish, you be the goal scorer. In terms of the two goals conceded in relatively quick succession, almost came out of the blue, really, considering you sort of dominated for long spells. Are you a bit disappointed with the defending? Yes, yeah, so I, th I think we'll see that both probably come from transitions. We gave the ball away, um, or they've nicked the ball off us, um, and we've had to defend the big spaces. Um, I think, I've not watched the goals back, but I think I will look at slight decision-making. Maybe slightly wrong, we've not filled gaps when we should do. Um, you know, you can't give Alfie May free contacts in the penalty area, but, but that's the difference sometimes with, with, with levels of players, and Alfie May just needs that one contact to put the ball in the net. Yeah, but you've got to be pleased with the, the way your side recovered. Uh, the corner from George Thomas that led to Gassan's 87th minute goal. Firstly, a great set piece and, and the header. As a former striker, you would have appreciated that one. Yes, yeah, and I wanted to score more. That's the demand on him to play that well and score more. Um, but I think overriding emotion now is we were so good for 45 minutes. That's the blueprint for us with and without the ball. Disappointed with the goals, yes, but the character to come back on top of the attitude from the players Thursday, Friday and then game day has been phenomenal. You know, it's important that I praise the players for the way they've responded um, this, this weekend um, and I really look forward to working with them moving forward. Yeah, and obviously Jack coming off the bench, he, he wins the penalty. You're, you're pleased with that kind of contribution from the boys that are about to sit there for a fair time to wait for their opportunity? Yes, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to play. Um, some people might have raised eyebrows at me taking George Thomas out of the team after winning 4-0 last week. But I felt... You know, we've got players to be able to adapt in games. I said it's, it's not just it's not just about you know picking players. They you know they've done well the week before, the week before, the week before. You know, we have to make sure we get the balance between right players from the start, right players that can make an in impact from the bench. How I see the game going at home and away, um, but players will have an impact on the game, whether that's from the start or off the bench. And I thought the lads that, that came off the bench had that impact. Yeah, and Gassan puts away his penalty, really, really emphatic finish, and so you deserve the point and some some great celebrations with the fans behind the goal. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, and and yeah, just can I just clarify something while we're talking? Um, when I think they're requesting maybe the fist pump from me uh, when uh, at the end, that that only comes after winning. <laughs> so we'll we look forward to that at some stage. No, Fijiri Okunabiri in the squad today. We, we, we know obviously he went for a scan last week. What's the situation there, Neil? Uh, so Fijiri is going to be out for a period of time. Uh, into, into the new year. We, we're looking at um, 
a, a period of probably 10 to 12 weeks. Um, he's had a, a, a small op um, on, on, on quad. Um, so, yes, we, we, we're going to be... You know, I really like Fajiro. I think he's a really good player. I was really looking forward to working with him. Um, and I will look forward to working with him, but not for the next couple of months. And so it's a point on the board today, and you, you'll know that you want to address the, the form away from home. Is this a good springboard for it, Neil? Oh, it's, it's brilliant. No, I'm not getting too far ahead thinking about, um, you know, too much other than sort of the last 72 hours and what's coming the next 72 hours. But we've shown our levels today. We've shown our qualities. Um, I think the lads have shown their qualities, not just as players, but as men as well. And... Um, you know, we have to make sure that you know over a period of time we're building results. We start looking what's above us in the league table rather than below. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, it's been a whirlwind few days for you. Appointed uh, midweek, and you end the week on a high. You must be chuffed, and you'll sleep well this evening, probably. I, I will sleep well for the first time in probably a week. Um, yeah, and look, I, I can't praise the players highly enough. I can't praise the football club. I can't praise the fans highly enough. And just just on that, the fans, the 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 noise, the amount that we're here. Phenomenal. I hope that's like that every week because it was that good. Um, but the way they stuck with the players, you know, really, really impressive. And that, that camaraderie, that's what I know about the club, that's what I know about the area. That camaraderie, that togetherness between the terrace and the pitch is going to be so important for me as a head coach while I'm in this football club. Thanks for your time, Neil. Cheers. Well done today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Hopefully we've still got Matt on the line. Hi, Matt. Yeah, I'm still here, mate. Still here. Very, very good indeed. So you were at the Valley yesterday. What are your thoughts on the result and the game itself? Yeah, I, I think uh, about some of the old uh, manager speak uh, from Neil there, uh, that, as always, and, you know, trying to praise the fans and everything. I think it was spot on in his uh, assessment of the game. I, you know, I thought we were good in the first half, um, showed probably our fragilities in terms of, you know, not being able to put the ball in the back of the net when we have been on top, which has cost us uh, quite a few times uh this season and um, like you said you know second half uh, every, every team comes out and you know they do have a spare in front of the home fans and uh, you know they, they scored two goals and uh, you know he's right in what he said you know we, we lost the ball and then it, I, I, both of them I think were just long balls forward and we haven't defended the, the situation well at all the, the first goal with Alfie May uh, I mean gets a little bit of luck because it falls straight to his feet um, there wasn't much that they can do, and you know he is a good striker at this level. And he's always you get give him a chance like that, he's always going to score. But the second one, we probably could have done better. Liam Bennett can probably just defend uh, the, the winger a little bit better, yeah. and it is a good ball into the box. And we've allowed the the midfielder to run in and you know power the the header home. And um, you know, it, I said then I thought we won't get back into this game, you know, because we've we've been so poor after going sort of one or even two nil down. Normally the game's dead, but they showed a little bit of character, like like Neil says, you know, there is something there. We we've known it's been there for for a little while, and they haven't shown it enough this season. But they showed it in spades yesterday, and you know, just to get a good goal back, a really good corner. You know, hopefully somebody can correct me. I think this is probably. Uh, one of the only other times that we, we've scored from a call, I think Fleetwood away with, with Gaston as well. Um, but I hope somebody can correct me because I can't remember another corner we, we, we've scored from. And then, you know, to get the penalty, and uh, as, as some people have said, you know, beforehand, uh, the, the foul was probably outside the box, but we probably should have had another penalty earlier on in the day. And, the, and those things leveled themselves up, and we got that bit of luck that we've. Uh, 
been missing for, for some of this season through this bad run. And, you know, Gassan's not messed about with it, unlike what he did last week. He's put the ball in the back of the net. And we should have had three points, but, you know, you're always going to take a, a, a one point when, uh, when you've been 2-0 down, you know, so late in the, in the second half. Well, absolutely, Matt. I mean, you talk about things like new manager bounce and things like that. I'm going to bring the other guys in at this point. So we've got Salim and we have Billy. So very good afternoon, guys. Afternoon. Hello. Hello. I want to get your thoughts on this, really. Salim, first of all, <coughs> what did you make of the game? I mean, you know, are you echoing what Matt said here about the the, the spirit and the determination and, and getting a, a deserved result? Yeah, so I mean, firstly, I can't really speak too much on the game because I wasn't there as a whole. Um, but from what I saw in the highlights and from what I've um, you know heard back from the game, obviously a really positive um, positive result. I think anyone going into that game would have thought, you know, coming out with a draw, they would definitely take it. But to be coming out, coming away from the game a little bit disappointed that we didn't take all three points is just, you know, kind of telling of what we managed to achieve, you know, on the day. Um, so I think that's really, really pleasing. And I think that will give the, the fans a, a boost more than anyone because they just want to see, you know, a team that's competitive, a team that's trying and a team that's, um, you know, doing good things. So, um, yeah, I think that's really positive. And of course, Billy, you were at the game yourself as well. Did you did you see Matt Bunny Chance while you were there? Oh uh, no, I was in the press box, so I had a, a view Ooh, of all the box. Cambridge fans. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Luxury, 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 <laughs> padded seats and everything, no doubt. Uh, 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 well, not quite, not quite. <laughs> there was no running water. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you make it sound like a non-league round of Valley. Uh, it it did feel a little bit like that, yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, no, but in terms of the actual game itself, I mean. The first half performance was absolutely brilliant. We dominated Charlton, uh, and particularly in the second half, after they got their two goals, they had basically a 15-minute spell. But for the most, for the best part, like Cambridge were in control, and you know, echoing the thoughts that have been said earlier, like we could have come, we could have come away easily with three points there. Yeah, definitely. So back to you, Matt. Really, as well is. One of the things that we want to talk about as well is you obviously heard Neil Harris's post-match here as well. He used some very interesting phrases. He was actually really full of players. He was waxing lyrical, really, about them. He was saying things like, you know, nobody gave up. It was a, The shape was fantastic in the first half, really full of praise. And, and it sounds to me, from what you're saying, it was justified. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, with no disrespect to, into previous results and Mark's last few games of the season... Um, once we did go a goal down in some cases I won't say the players gave up but you just felt their belief drain away from them and you know they, they didn't have that kind of desire that belief not rather the desire but definitely the belief that they would get back into a game and um you know, when the team is in the slump like they were, um, you know, it comes off to, to the fans as well. And a lot of fans, you know, saying, you know, you get the first goal against us and, and we're beaten, we're done, we're not getting back into it. But one of the things Neil has got to do is is change that, that mindset, you know, firstly, you know, into the players and then the fans will follow with, with that belief you know yesterday is, is a start it's a positive start and uh, like Billy and Celine said you know we, we were the better side for most of that game you know but when we're the better side for most of that game you, you want to come away with three points and not just one and while we'll take the positives and you know there'll be momentum behind us now you know going into into the next game against Blackpool on Saturday at home um, you know, draws sometimes got to be turned into wins, especially in this league, especially in a in a tight league like it is this season, with you know the the, the bottom sort of eight teams all quite close together, and 
and anybody can beat anybody on their day. So but what we need to do is we need to keep this momentum going. We need to start, you know, picking up, you know, maximum three points from from games, uh, you know, win as many home games as possible. And I said that at the start of the season, home games are the more important ones. And then try and get something away from home. And, you know, when you play like what we did yesterday, if we play like that in every other away game that we possibly have for the rest of the season, you know, there'll, there'll be a much more positive feeling from, from everybody, even if we lose, you know. And, and that's the thing. We want to see the players try and we want to see the players playing well. And um, it's a good start. And, you know, that they deserve their praise for, for today. But like Neil says, you know, they've set the bar now and now they've got to carry on for, for the rest of the season and, you know, beyond while he's in charge because that's what he's going to expect of them. Definitely. I want to bring Salim and Billy back in at this point as well, really. Um, first of all, Salim, I want to get your thoughts on Neil Harris as well. Uh, Matt obviously gave his thoughts in the week <laughs> on the drive with uh, Matthew Parrott. Um, Salim, what, what, did, what did you make of the appointment, first of all? Um, well... Yeah, I didn't really know. I didn't really know um, loads about managers, and I didn't have a lot of information beforehand. I think we pretty much found out at the same time that everybody else found out. Um, and yeah, um, I haven't really. I've not had loads of dealings with Nez. I've just obviously introduced myself when he came in on Thursday. Um, spoke to him a bit about my situation and and um, seen him about the place and been in one or two meetings. Um, so it's quite hard to really say at this point. Um, you know what I really think of him as a, a manager or as a person is just, you know, just a new acquaintance and um, someone that I, I look forward to working with, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got pedigree for, for this division. He has taken Millwall out of this division, of course, as well. Things kind of went a bit awry at Gillingham towards the end as well. Billy, what are your thoughts on uh, Harris? Well, no, I mean, he seems like someone who's going to be able to motivate the players. Um, he's come in and he's, you know, starting to set out you know what it is that he wants from a, a as he said a Neil Harris side and so if we maybe began to see a bit of that yesterday in the in our performance if we continue you know growing and trending in that direction then hopefully we'll be into in for some good results Excellent. What do you think he'll have said to the players in the week and into the game itself? Because bearing in mind he's had about three days to prepare for this, uh, <laughs> such, a, such a big event like a, an away game against Charlton. So it seemed that he was delegating a little bit to uh, Barry Corr and Kevin Betsy in order to kind of get, uh, you know, have that sort of foundation. Um, as for, you know, specifics of what he's been looking at, you know, I mean, again, I guess the time will tell because we, we, want, we will see a, a Neil Harris side develop in front of our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's very, very true that, you know, it's, as time goes on, you know, sometimes we talk about this new manager bounce that people have as well. And actually, you know, it seems, you know, from what people are saying that, uh, yeah, he's sort of starting to stamp his mark on the team already. Matt, you were actually in the away end, of course. What was the atmosphere like? Because obviously it's, it's going to be a bit different, isn't it, nowadays? Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, everybody you speak to is, you know, sad that Mark left. And obviously nobody wanted Mark to be sacked. And everybody would like to have been, you know, even more successful at, at Cambridge United as much as they possibly could. And, you know, he's a good man. Um, he's a good manager and he will come back. And I think, you know, a little bit of a time away from, you know, football and, you know, a bit of a refresher and, you know, a new job somewhere else, whether he goes back into management 
or you know coaching somewhere higher up potentially for a little while. I think we're doing some good, but. The one thing about the fans here is, you know, that they, they, they're very positive. You know, they, we t- we do get negative at times, as, as people did see towards the end of, of Mark's reign, because you know the, the, the football should have been and could have been better than what it was. But you know, they're always willing to to give the new man a chance, and uh, that's, that's certainly what uh, they did yesterday. You know, it was it was a good atmosphere. Um, it always is at away days, especially one you know the, with a lot closer than say sort of you know going up to Fleetwood or Carlisle I mean it'd been interesting there but you know there was a good atmosphere with everyone uh, you know they welcome Neil you know with open arms as they always do with any new manager and uh, they're looking forward to it and as I say you know yesterday, yesterday coming back from, from 2-0 down will we'll go a long way uh, in everybody else's eyes but you know we've got to carry on that new manager bounce and it's got to go all the way through now and and that's that's what we'll be looking for you know going forward yeah and you mentioned Blackpool as well of course uh, another one of these league one teams there's a bit of a habit isn't there in league one of teams that are sort of struggling at the moment some teams that are in the Premier League some that have fallen on hard times Blackpool definitely fall into that bracket as do Reading, Portsmouth, uh, Wigan the list sort of goes on really as well so Matt what kind of a game can we expect at the Abbey bearing in mind it's going to be Harris's first home game in charge yeah, I think there'll be a good atmosphere. Uh, hopefully Blackpool will, will bring a few down. I don't know what their, their away attendance is like, but they'll be a good side. They've had some really good results, and as you say, they've had some really bad ones as well. Um, they're, they're not a bad team at all. Um, they probably should be doing a, a, a little bit better than what they are. They've got some really, really good players. And, um, you know, it's definitely going to be a, a tough game, but we've got to work hard. You know, we're going to have to work hard off the ball. We're going to have to be, you know, even better on the ball and, you know, be a lot more clinical than, you know, what we were yesterday. Um, and when those chances come, because they could be, you know, in a minority, we've got to take them. And then, you know, if we can get ourselves ahead, you know, I'd, I'd back us to get something out of the game. I think that that's one of the key things that we, we've said all season about about this team. You know, if, if they do take the lead, if they do get in front against teams, you're probably a lot more confident of them holding on to a lead and you know, perhaps adding to it than you know, conceding first and having to chase the game because it's something that you know, we don't always like doing is chasing the game because you know, without the ball at times, we're, we're not the best. But we're getting there and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good game for sure and uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully get three points out of it. Billy, I want to get your thoughts actually as well. The game starts to come thick and fast in December, of course. You've got uh, Blackpool, then you've got Exeter, Oxford, Stevenage, and then Lake Norrent on New Year's Day. Quite a lot of uh, work to do in that period of time. Just how does a manager cope with sort of the demand? Obviously, you're used to it because obviously this is kind of something that happens every year. But when you've got a new team, new players, a new philosophy that you're trying to sort of get out there, how do you think Harris will prepare for this? And how well equipped is he to cope with the... Well, in a way, I I feel that it could actually be a benefit because, you know, he's just got to get straight in there. You know, lots of games, it's lots of chances to see players playing. And, you know, he's going to get a good idea of, you know, where we're at. And, you know, judging on the performance and of, you know, of some of the individual performances of the players yesterday, you know, Sully Kaikai, for example, was absolutely brilliant. Kachunga, his work rate, particularly in the first half, was brilliant. And so he he was... It will help him in the sense that he will be able to judge players and, you know, work uh, work out where they're going to fit in. And, you know, yeah, having lots of games is lots of chances to pick up points. So uh, hopefully we'll get be getting a lot of points in that. So hopefully a nice warm welcome there, as, as we say, for the Blackpool game. 
Uh, so, Salim, obviously you haven't met uh, Harris very much so far, um, but obviously, you know, from your, even though you've only dealt with him very briefly, is he somebody that's kind of giving you a good vibe? Is he someone that you think you're going to work really well with? And, you know, maybe you'll get your chance when your kind of injuries uh, ease up a bit and you've managed to get yourself into a, a better shape? Yeah, I mean, you hope so. Um, like I said, um, obviously he's, he's not been in the building for long, so the players themselves don't really know him. Um, too well unless they've dealt with him you know away from Cambridge um, but yeah as a, as a guy he's, he's, he seems like a really nice guy um, but there's what I'd say a mutual benefit in terms of obviously the change has really inspired enthusiasm and drive and you know for players naturally to sit up a little bit because you know you see um, Nez come in and then he's dropped Tomo and people might think oh why has Tomo been dropped you know so it really just shows you it's really really open now so the competition improve, um, increases even more, and then thus the team the team performances increases. Um, you you mentioned um, yesterday about SK and Catcher playing really well. You know they'll want to continue that and continue to keep their spot. And those that aren't in the team will also want to be angling for their spot to get game time as well. So that new change, whether it's Nez, whether it's whoever, um, that new change and making things open again really just does inspire that um, competitiveness again and just reignites that that sense of working hard and you know working hard every single day to put in performances that will get you rewards and get you into the team yep so there's a lot of optimism around the club so Matt you know in terms of the game itself yesterday I'm going to put you on the spot slightly here um, who was your player of the match and why um, so, you know, everybody will probably tell me, you know, it should be Gas and the Hatman because he scored two goals. But the person that impressed me the most yesterday, and I, I am going to give him man of the match, basically because I've criticised him a lot uh, this season, Danny Andrew. I thought Danny Andrew was fantastic yesterday. I, I think he, he was a completely different player to, to what we have seen in, in previous weeks. He had a, a decent game last week against Fleetwood, but I thought he was even better today. He was a lot more positive. You know, on the ball, um, you know, got into some really good attacking areas with, with James Brophy down that left-hand side. Um, some decent balls in, some decent runs. And, um, you know, defensively, he was a lot, lot better as well, which, you know, he, he has struggled with uh, a little bit this season too. So, you know, but he really, really impressed me. So, yeah, you know, Danny Andrew can, can have man of the match for me yesterday. I was really impressed with him. And long, long may it continue. Excellent. There's not the recognition there from Billy. Are you agreeing with Matt on this one? Yeah, I mean, I thought Danny Andrew did, uh, uh, particularly in the first half, um, did impress me defensively. There was a couple of uh, set pieces. Uh, if there was one little mark against him, there was a couple of set pieces that we had in really good positions that didn't quite come off in the in the way that we would have wanted. But you know, as a, as a defensive unit, we looked really, really solid. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned Kachunga earlier. I mean, his work rate in the first half, like recovering and just, you know, picking up, uh, you know, loose balls and driving at the defence reminded me a little bit of uh, Harvey Nibs and the role he used to play. So, no, I, I, I thought, you know, the whole team, all of the units in the team just had a really good game yesterday. Interesting thoughts there. So there is one other thing I'd like to touch on with United. It's not such a good news. It's obviously the injury to face. So, Matt, mm. 10 to 12 weeks, I believe, we're told for that one. Yeah, apparently, according to Neil, um, massive blow. It would have been really interesting to see what it, what he could have done uh, under Neil Harris, because obviously Neil being a striker um, himself, and you know he praised him you know quite highly, which was which was telling um, you, you know in the fact he was looking forward to 
you know, to managing him and working with him. So, um, you know, Fajiri is probably or had been beforehand the, the out-and-out goal scorer that we did have because it just wasn't falling well for Gassan at the time. And, you know, he was just getting into into that stage where he was just struggling. But Gassan's, you know, got three and two now. And, you know, confidence, especially in strikers, is is what they thrive on. And, you know, once they're confident and they're finding the back of the net and it starts happening regularly... As everyone knows, they start going on a on a big run, and I'm hoping that whilst whilst Fajiri is out, and until we get in a replacement, which I imagine uh, Neil will try and do, perhaps in January, getting a loan play just to you know cover with with uh, to help Gasser. Now he's going to be the top striker now, and if he keeps scoring goals, he's he's going to be the number one striker, and until uh, you know even when Fajiri comes back, because he's going to have to work hard to get back in the squad again. So it's a massive blow for the team. Um, especially in an area where we are light, but the shirt's gas hands now and and he's uh, reaping the rewards right now. If I've got this right, 18 appearances, five goals in the league. Yeah, man, they're, they're not too bad. You know, he, he probably should have had a few more gas hands and I think he feels that way himself. And as I say, Pajiri is the, you know, looks the more natural finisher, but... As I said, he worked hard yesterday, Gasan. He was really, really good yesterday. I was really impressed with him. It, it wasn't sticking for him last week against Fleetwood, even though even though he got his goal. And I think missing the penalty when he came on last week probably set him back a little bit. But, you know, Gasan, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And uh, like Billy said, you know, linking up with uh, Elias Kachunga behind him as well just gave him that confidence to do a lot more. You know, there's tricks and skills. And I don't think I've seen a striker have tricks and skills and, you know, try and take players on and, and everything for absolutely ages. So, again, you know, really good performance from him. Good to see. And uh, as I say, again, he's the number one striker now and, and he's got to carry on with it. Billy, you were chuckling there about the... Uh... Uh, yeah, we were chuckling there, Billy, about the uh, the tricks and skills there. Yeah, I mean, he, he was basically unplayable at times yesterday. You know, he get into uh, and yeah, it was a side of his game that maybe we, we haven't seen enough of uh, this season, which is actually with the ball on the floor. You know, he would get into a tight area, be surrounded by like three defenders, and would still manage to get out of it and uh, you know keep a, keep the play going. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's, he's, he's someone, actually, interestingly enough, he's online from Ipswich, I believe, mm. and he is someone that could be playing in the Premier League next season, given how well Ipswich are doing. It's obviously a long way to go in that particular <laughs> side of things as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that, a, a good result for Cambridge. Obviously, Blackpool next week. Charlton themselves have had a certainly a turbulent time. They've, they've, they're on their second manager of the season, aren't they? Already, Michael Appleton uh, got his, came in. They sacked Dean Holden. No, Dean Holden maybe was last season, but they seem to have got rid of... They seem to get three managers, don't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, Charlton, you know, historically a fairly big club, but, you know, for probably about the past 20, 30 years, they've actually had a lot of struggles. You know, they had a period in the Premier League. Um, you know, at one point they lost their ground um, and, you know, they've had problems with owners and things like that. It's very it's very different, like, uh, to a club like Cambridge United, the sort of struggles of a, of a big club like that. But no doubt uh, a lot of Charlton fans would have been very disappointed yesterday. Yeah, I think you always are uh, when you throw away a two-goal lead in the way that they did. But, of course, a deserved point for Cambridge. That's certainly the conclusion that we've come to. Matt, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Take care. See you soon. Thank you very much indeed, Matt. So, we've got more to come on this edition of From the Terraces. It's Daniel Baker in for Tim Armitage. If you want to say anything about the games involving our local teams, you can. It's 07919 070 490, or you can email studio at cambridge105.com.
www.sportsradio.co.uk. So Tim is in Australia. He did watch the game, apparently, so he he certainly uh, felt a little bit indifferent about the first half, the feeling perhaps that balls should have been put in the net. Uh, and what's a goal, I think, was said at one point as well. Uh, but they got over the line and got a draw, which is a very creditable result. Blackpool next, of course, for them. Uh, stay tuned. We're chatting more about Cambridge City, even though it's uh, not the best uh, of news for them. They lost yesterday to Coventry Sphinx. We'll talk Histon as well. Their game was off. We've still got a bit to say about the situation with them and their piling fixture list. There's four games to be confirmed that need to be rearranged. We'll chat more about those. And, of course, we'll get the thoughts of Paul Burling, head of Cambridge City women's trip to Worthing, which kicks off at 2 o'clock. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. So Cambridge City are woefully out of form at the moment. Five defeats in a row now for them. They lost to Coventry Sphinx yesterday and it was also uh, made worse by the fact they conceded in the 88th minute. Matthew Shipman got the winning goal and they had to play over an hour, or nearly an hour, with ten players after Stefan Broccoli got sent off as well. So Salim, you're somebody who knows Robbie a little bit as well. What will be going through his mind after another crushing defeat, another disappointing result like that? Well... I mean, having spoken to Robbie a bit, I think he'll be obviously disappointed with the loss and disappointed now that that poor form continues. I think you mentioned five games on the bounce now that they haven't won a game. Um, Whereas kind of earlier on in the season, they were between the two of, you know, winning some and losing some and that wasn't so bad. And you think, okay, um, they've got some young players in the squad, they still need to develop and all of this. But now they're kind of really at the point where they're struggling and really, really do need results. So... um, a lot of things will be going through his mind and it's not a pleasant he- headache to have um, but it is a headache that he'll have to <laughs> have to deal with. Billy, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, Cambridge City, as Salim just said, yeah, clearly are struggling but I guess they would take, if there is any, any positives they can take from yesterday's performance, you know, they were down to 10 men and it was a late goal, you know, so on another day they could have maybe gotten a result yesterday. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously, as well, the challenges that Robbie have, it's something he's talked about on the show before, is the fact that it's quite hard to get players in, given that there isn't money flying around. There's no multi-millionaire owners. It's free transfers. It's beg, borrow, or steal favours from friends, etc., yep. etc. Et Do you think, Salim, that Robbie will be ringing people up, using his contacts to try and strengthen in any way that he can? Well, I think it's, it's hard to say. Obviously, the non-league market is different. They don't have to wait to January. You know, <laughs> transfers come in as and when they when they want to do that. So um, potentially, he'll be looking for people potentially, but when I did last speak to him, he did mention about, um, you know, some of the senior players uh, coming back from injury. Taylor Parr was a big figure that they were missing. I'm not sure if he's back from injury yet, but um, that was a key player that he did mention that they were missing at the time. Um, and a few more senior players. I know that they've had a few other lads on loan from... EFL clubs including Cambridge but you know these are younger lads trying to learn their trade so their significance in the team isn't perhaps uh, that of those lads that have played five six years at the level. Salim like would you think and from a player's perspective like with a team struggling like City as they are will would that affect their ability to be able to sign people as well? Oh, of course, of course. Um, I think it's it's like the uh, the manager dilemma as well. When you say, "Oh, yeah, why are we signing a manager that's just been put out of work?" Well, the ones that are doing well stay at the clubs yeah. that they're doing well at, you know. And the the ones that are usually doing well, their clubs are also doing well. So people don't really look for they don't try to fix what's not broken, you know. Mm. Um, but there will be you know the odd gap in the market where someone's 
someone deserves an opportunity that they haven't got yet um, and that's where you kind of find that little little bit of magic mm. and that's what I think City should probably be looking yeah, for yeah that's what they need at the moment <laughs> Robbie has got a bit of respite, though. The next game is on the 19th of December. Uh, that is against Harborough, who are up there. I think they're second in the league as it stands at the moment, so they're challenging for the title, hoping to get up to the next step. But there's a bit of unrest among the fans, really. I mean, it's unusual for a team quite low down the pyramid for there to be kind of unrest and people being very critical. There are people saying that Cambridge City don't belong in step four and, you know, not good enough and all this sort of stuff. I mean, that is that must be quite... Difficult to take, especially given that they're you know there's there's a lot of balancing, a lot of juggling. People juggling it with jobs, people juggling it with other commitments. Yeah. That's that's pretty tough to take as a manager to hear that sort of thing. Yeah, of course. But I mean, this is this is the football industry. I think uh, one thing that's quite nice about this country is football is quite is taken quite seriously at all levels and either rightly so or wrongly so you know <laughs> you see some under eight games where parents are going a bit a bit ballistic. But um, with the non-league, you know, the non-league setup and fans. I think primarily caring, you know, caring about their club because they they still they still pay money to come and watch watch these players play. You know, if you think about the admission costs of let's say going to City, I think it probably be ten pounds maybe for an adult to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which is not that Cambridge. far off what Cambridge would charge. You mm. know, and they're choosing to go and watch um, their local side or preferred side or whatever it is for whatever reason. They're choosing to go watch Cambridge City as opposed mm. to Cambridge or as opposed to whoever else. So um, they they have a right to voice their opinion and they have a right to feel to feel frustrated. It's just about the club coming together to find what's the best solution to move forwards. Yeah, but also there's the off-the-field thing as well. It's been very well documented. This time last year we were saying this year will be the year they move into the new stadium. Mm. We're still yeah. waiting, of course. We're still not quite there yet. But we did see some good news uh, just about just over a week ago, in fact, the changing rooms have arrived uh, for installation. Oh, well, I mean, OK, you can take the positives where you get them. <laughs> <laughs> the project, it, it's, it sounds like, again, they had a crowdfunder, of course, back mm. in August. They managed to raise all the money for that. So it seems to be coming together. So 2024, I think, will actually, they'll stop having Westwood Road as their home from home and mm. finally move into Sawston, so... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I went to school next to the old uh, Cambridge City Stadium. Or Milton Road, yeah. Yeah, Milton Road, oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I would go and watch Cambridge City when uh, Cambridge United were maybe playing away or something like that. And, you know, when a club loses its home, it does definitely lose a part of itself. Uh, I mentioned Charlton earlier. And so, you know, with Cambridge City, it's... You know, it's just trying to refine that identity because I think of Cambridge City as a team, you know, who can definitely compete higher, or as a club that can definitely compete higher. But you know, they just have found themselves in a situation where they've been in limbo for a long period of time, um, and you know, when then results aren't necessarily going well on the pitch, you know, that can come, that can all build up and uh, add together. Yeah, it certainly can. It certainly can indeed. But they've obviously been languishing at the wrong end for quite a while. They're only two points clear of the drop zone as it stands and some tough games coming up. They're all tough in that league, really. A lot of teams, uh, quite sort of quite a level playing field, really, in that sense. Uh, one or two perhaps have a bit more money than others, a bit more resource than others. Um, but we will see what happens with Cambridge City. There's hopefully they'll get a result on the 19th. They have actually got the advantage, of course, of having a bit of a break. You know, they've got that... They've got that time, haven't they? Trading time. Trading time together, which would be good for them. But, I mean, it just shows you, even at that level, where the league's so competitive. Like I said earlier, they had probably, what, five weeks ago or so, they were having some better results and the the, uh, table position didn't look so so concerning. And then 
you lose five on the bounce and then it manifests itself into um, low confidence in the team, low confidence on the pitch. And, you know, when you combine that stuff with the things going off the pitch that aren't also happening for them, it all seems really negative and you find yourself in a in a really concerning place. But I'm sure they'll be able to get themselves out of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Results will be telling. Obviously, the schedule's going to get busier, obviously, with these games being called off. You know, that's, yeah, it seems to be happening a lot. The weather's up. not been very kind. There's not many. Th- there's only so many 3G pitches. <laughs> Interesting enough, I was talking to Will Cottrell from Shelford Rugby Club about 3G pitches. They're rolling them out in rugby quite a lot more. Um, so whether we'll see more in the, in football or not, we, we don't know. But uh, good luck to Robbie anyway. Hopefully we'll have a chat with him uh, on next week's show. Amy Gray will be in my seat, actually. We've got a few changes of presenter uh, for the next few weeks. Tim's in Australia uh, listening to the show, actually, as well. So uh, hi, Tim, if you're listening. And if you want to get involved in today's show as well, it's 07919 070 490. Or you can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. You're listening to From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio, live and local across the city and South Cambridge. And coming up after us, Les Ray is back with Strummers and Dreamers with folk music old and new, along with news of what's happening on the folk scene in Cambridge, live sessions, new tracks and classics from the folk archive, with a particular focus on young songwriters and bands. Jazz Today is back with Pete, sampling new releases from the woodwind duo No Sax, No Klar, the trio Stirrup and a quartet led by Taiwanese Vibes player Chen Chen Lu. We'll also be hearing the reads of Per Texas Johansson and Andrew Rathburn plus the vocals of Elena Dooney who is appearing at Stapleford Granary later this week. Polish Waves follows between 5 and 6. Songs from the Gaelic World 6 till 7. The Groove Hour with Weaver is back between 7 and 8. The Scar and B Show 8 till 9. Queer Cambridge back between 9 and 10. Stagger 10 till 11 and Opus 105 rounds off your Sunday on Cambridge 105 Radio across the city and South Cambridgeshire. And if you missed today's show or have missed part of today's show, the podcast will be up later on our website. You can find uh, previous editions of Terraces and many more joys. It's a treasure trove on our website of things uh, that you might have missed on Cambridge 105 Radio. Let's now talk about Histon. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking about all things Histon. Out in the country, far from all the subtle noise of the the village green It's been a long time Since I last set eyes On the church with the steeple Down by the village green So Histon's game fell foul of the weather as well. That's not a huge surprise given that there was a deluge at about 10 o'clock yesterday morning and they don't have a 3G pitch at Bridge Road, at least not yet. Um, So they were due to play Lutterworth and the fixture list is building up a bit really because they've now got four games that are to be rescheduled. Lutterworth away and at home, Easington Sports, Coggenhoe United as well. That is going to be quite a busy end to the season for, for Chris. Yeah, I mean, they need to be picking up some uh, results. So, you know, it's a lot of chances to do so. But, you know, when we're coming into this time of year, you wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be more uh, games called off. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, a tough a tough old month for Histon. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, I think I can only really echo that as well. But um, like we saw... Um, I don't quite remember how long ago it was now that Lance left. It might it might be a good thing because to be able to have more time on the training pitch with the lads and then get that real Chris Nunn identity into the team so that when the games do then come, the team feels better prepared for them. Um, they've had you know a mixed bag of results with some positive results and also some continuation of the poor results. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that training time and that maybe even a little bit of a break between between the games might, might serve them well. Yeah. 
We're talking about new manager bounce earlier on with Neil Harris. It's been a similar kind of story with Histon, really. Obviously, a few months ago, we had the very sad news about Lance Key losing his job, the back-to-back defeat against Ainsbury Rovers with the games that sealed his fate, really, as well. Things not looking so good. Early efforts from the FA Cup and FA Trophy contributed to that as well. Lance certainly very emotional when he left. Chris Nunn's come in, and they started so well. It was like one, one defeat in five, lost the first game to Daventry, then a draw, and then three wins in a row couple of defeats. They've managed to beat March Town um, in the, in the uh, Cambridgeshire Invitation Cup as well on penalties. Um, but yes, busy schedule coming up for them. Rugby Borough away next uh, Saturday. It's an away game. Then they've got Newport Pagnell Town and then on Boxing Day, of course, they tend to keep things quite close. Don't they? God Manchester Rovers at home. They tend to keep the, the games quite close together, <laughs> no, don't they? It's as little travelling as possible yeah. on Boxing Day. Yeah. Tradition and St Neots, of course, as well, are in that same division as well uh, this season. Uh, but yeah, it's it's frustrating, isn't it, when the games keep getting called off because then you've got to find schedules again. You know, it's a classic case, isn't it, of teams and players juggling life. You know, people talk about work-life balance, but actually, it's sort of you know, this is very different when you're playing football. Yeah, I mean, I I can't speak to uh, <laughs> play, play can I, but... <laughs> level. But I can imagine, uh, yeah, it, well, you know, from uh, my own football experiences you know games getting called off last minute and things like that you know it's not it's not always uh it's not always ideal but i guess part of it is what you sign up for and you're playing you know you're playing football there at a club like histon because you love playing football um and you know any chances that you you get to go out and uh play i'm sure the players will be looking to take those opportunities yeah, you've obviously spoken to Chris Stunn a couple of times uh, in, in the last few months since he's arrived as well. I mean, what do you make of him and what do you make of him, his efforts so far? Well, I mean, in terms of their home form, their home form has actually not been all that bad. I, th- I believe they're, they have a, they're on a little unbeaten run uh, in terms of uh, home games. And as you mentioned earlier, when uh, Chris Nunn came in, you know, they had a good run of results, which has, you know, created that little gap uh, you know, between them and Leicester Nirvana at the bottom of the table. Um, but they really, really just need to be, well, playing games so they can actually uh, go and pick up some results. And I feel that, you know, speaking to Chris, it's it's building on confidence, you know, from having a good result or maybe in previous games, you know, when they've lost, they've lost narrowly. Uh, and so, you know, they'll be they'll be looking to use that for motivation to hopefully get on a run of results, which I know that's definitely what Chris is looking for. Yeah, fine margins as they talk about in football, but it's actually quite staggering. Just getting the league table up now, it's, it's, they've, re- they've restructured the league for one thing, so there's more chance of a team being able to extend their season. Obviously, you have a situation before where it was two teams go up automatically and nothing else. It reminds me of the old days of the conference, actually, where one team would go up from the conference to the football league. So if it was a runaway leader, you might as well just, you know, start preparing for next season in yeah. March, like a lot of teams used to do but it's changed now and that's sort of evolved as well theoretically they have got a better chance of getting promoted because at least if they can't make the top two they could get into third fourth or fifth but they're a long way off that at the moment i think there are that's 39 points is the current uh, space with newport pagnell they're on 15 they're gonna have to have a very good second half of the season i mean i don't think that that will be the target right yet would be looking for the playoffs i think the target has to be just you know getting some results stirring up yeah, but stay, yeah, well, yes. Winning, winning games, and hopefully being in the position where they don't have to worry about uh, being relegated. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the that's the job that um, Histon have got. You know, I feel that they, there is the potential there for them to be able to go on a run. But you know, we just need to. You know, they need they need a run of games, and they need maybe a little bit of luck to go their way as well. 
Yeah, yeah just on that. Just, just the consistency in the results, really. You know, you've seen, um, you know, like you alluded to earlier, in this, uh, sorry, alluded to about them early in the season starting well. They've got the potential and capacity to do so. So they just need to make sure that they're doing all they can to, to execute that and to find a, a good run of form where they can feel good playing and get good results because... The, the two don't come necessarily come together when when they do come together it feels like the perfect package but often you you get one or the other and or or neither you know you can you can play badly and feel like you play badly and still win yeah. <laughs> football's a weird old game it certainly is a very funny old game isn't it i'm sure that's been said a few times before but what's also interesting is that there's a bit of a subplot potentially brewing because uh, none left afc rushton diamonds the phoenix club of the club that were at one point in what's now League One. They mm. plummeted down the divisions, they folded, they re-came uh, back Phoenix, if that's the term. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a Phoenix club, they are rock bottom of their league at the moment, so they could be joining Histon next year and none could be reunited with some of his old uh, old chums there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel that they probably would want to avoid that, if, uh, <laughs> if possible. I'm sure it'll be handshakes all around, I'm sure they're all gentlemen and all that. Yeah, yeah. All very gracious. But uh, yeah, so Histon, uh, obviously at the moment, you know, no game this week. Uh, they've, they've, they will be back in action again over the festive period. Uh, they have now uh, got, uh, if I can have a look at my screen, yeah, Rugby Borough. Yes, yeah, sorry, my screen just disappeared for a moment. Rugby Borough is the next game. That is an away game. Two trips on a, in a row. Then back at Bridge Road on Boxing Day to play God Manchester Rovers. Uh, so we've still got a bit of time on the show. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can. It's 07919 070 490. Or you can email studio at cambridge105. .co.uk. We've talked about Cambridge United, we've talked City, we've talked Histon. No game for Cambridge United women this week. They've got a bit of a, a break in things. Uh, but we're going to talk City ladies, actually. There's been an interesting season for them, really. A difficult one. One win so far going into this. Not had a permanent manager for some time, either because of Fadi Mazloum's departure. Uh, but we can get the thoughts of Paul Burling. He's been having a chat with Billy ahead of their trip to Worthing, which kicks off at 2 o'clock. So, Paul, the risk this time of year with the weather and everything is obviously games being called off and cancelled. And, you know, the biggest deciding factor of whether a game is going to be on is whether or not it's on AstroTurf. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously, luckily, this weekend's game away at, at um, Worthing is on Astro. Um, so, uh, despite the forecast bad weather, we should be OK, um, having had last week's game postponed. And are your new players settling in well? And uh, have you all been training well this week? Yeah, um, had a really good training session on Tuesday, and and the new girls have settled in quite well. Um, a few numbers light yesterday in training. Uh, sorry, Thursday in training. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're good to go for uh, the the trip down to Worthing. And do you have any major injury concerns ahead of the game? We don't we've only got one out injured, um, but we do have two um, of our better players unavailable, which is a bit of a blow. But um, didn't really have a game scheduled for this weekend, and they made other plans. One's um, gone off to America to graduate, um, so nothing we can do about that. And um, we're just we'll go with what we've got. And Worthing will be a tough game. How how are you planning to get something from it? Uh, look, they've started this one quite well. Um, they don't win heavily, but they they seem to win more than they lose. I think they sit comfortably mid-table. We've got um, our normal back four, our keepers back from international duty. So um, we're, we're going to the game on the back of uh, three good starts in the league. Paul Burling there giving his thoughts ahead of the Worthing match. Uh, Cambridge City ladies go and play there. And it's a 3G pitch, so it's not likely to be rained off. Thankfully, I don't know what the weather's doing like in, in Worthing. I didn't check uh, what it was doing. But 
Uh, City, it's been a very difficult season. As I say, one win so far this season. They did at least draw with Cambridge United, but the when you don't have a permanent manager for some time, there's always a risk of that sort of instability, isn't there, really, as well? And almost that sort of unknown thing that can, that can perhaps unsettle players a little. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, Cambridge City women, it's... It, as you mentioned, it's been a very long uh, season, uh, you know, but they, they did have a good result, um, you know, the other week against Haywards Heath, which would give them a lot of confidence. And having spoken to Paul, you know, he was saying that he was br- he brought in uh, a, a whole bunch of new players on dual registration um, from a team from the league below. You know, and those players, are, you know, he, he's waiting to, you know, be able to get the best out of those players. And so it... I feel like for Cambridge City women, just park what's happened up until this point uh, in the season and, you know, build on what was a good result for them the other week and hopefully will be a good result for them later today as well. Yeah, interesting in the league this season is that actually no team has went down last year. I think that was due to some restructuring, so actually they got yeah, off the hook. I think someone um, dropped out of the league, I believe. Can happen, yeah. yeah Sometimes that does happen with teams down, that, yeah. to, that they don't have relegation. Um, but with that, they... There are two relegation spots this season, so it's fair to say the stakes are higher, really, aren't they? In many ways of staying in that division, there's that incentive there. Yeah, I mean they've got they just want to survive if that's if that's possible. possible. Yeah, and uh, again, the the only way to do that is by getting results. Yeah, Paul Burling is someone that's very dedicated at the moment. He stepped down from Cambridge City as um, the board recently himself, actually, mm-hmm. but he's carried on as interim manager. So obviously he's somebody that really cares about the club and really wants to keep the women's team going as best as he can. We don't know what the situation is with that at the moment, how long he's going to stay in the role, whether it's just uh, until somebody comes along, whether it's indefinite. We don't really know at the moment, really. But Yeah, I mean, as long as I'm, I'm speaking to him every week, I assume that means he's still in charge. Um, and uh... <laughs> You'd hope so, anyway. <laughs> well, yes. You never know. You'd hope yeah. so. <laughs> Obviously, it's been quite a tough season with Paul. You've spent quite a lot of time talking to him and getting to know him, really. Um, he's had a couple of quite crushing results. There was an 8-3 earlier in the season. There's been some quite crushing defeats. But is he someone you'd say that keeps positive and, and keeps you know, keeps trying to focus on, on the good on the good things and things that are, are, that are working well? You know, I'd be surprised if it was making him, uh, you know, like sort of flip out and get really angry or anything like that. Um, he, se- he seems like someone who's very le- level-headed and has a a calmness in his approach to things and you know I think he can see the their current situation for what it is you know results haven't been good enough but there are some glimmers of hope with recent results and with new signings as well yeah definitely while we're on the topic of women's football Billy uh, you want to talk about uh, Cambridge United's new training ground obviously with Alex Tunbridge talked about this with Tim back uh, in November um, what's the story on that well so I mean the training ground the new training ground obviously is a great great thing for the club um, you know there's still work to work to be done there um, and you know I was surprised when I was speaking to uh, Darren Mardrum the uh, Cambridge United women's manager that the women's team weren't actually going to be able to uh, you know play their games uh, you know at the training ground and you know speaking to him you know the sort of facilities that would be needed in order to facilitate uh, women's games would be just having some floodlights uh, a pitch with a barrier around it and some sort of turnstile facilities so you know with the club uh, you know hopefully progressing in the way that it has done over recent years you would maybe like to see uh, a bit more uh, I, I would say like cohesiveness in terms of the whole 
the whole club uh, in general, um, you know, because it is it is one club. Uh, and, you know, I'm a Cambridge United fan, so I will support any any Cambridge United team. But you know, for you know, like like uh, last week when uh, Cambridge United women were playing were playing against QPR, you know, it was great for them to have more people down there. And we've seen when they've had games at the Abbey as well that they can get really good attendances. Um, so yeah, it's just you know to to maybe make them not feel so much like a sort of satellite team around the sort of main club. I do think that there's still some work to be done. I think it, the club do want that though. Mm. I think they do I want don't doubt that. It, yeah. But um, it's just like you said in terms of obviously they need the turnstile facilities, they need yeah. the floodlights, um, and then you know like a, a barrier around the pitch. Like mm. all of those three things you mentioned aren't currently there. So yeah, exactly. Um, it would be hard. It wouldn't make sense for them to do it. I think that's why. Um, they use St Nits because they've got such a great partnership with St Nits that would make more sense for them and probably better for them in terms of um, quali- consistency of the quality of the ground because obviously Claire, the lads train there every day and the, the ground gets ruined. So to give them a pitch that they can play on that's ideal, you know, near near perfect because that pitch is definitely one of the best in the league if not mm. leagues above or where it should be. Um, I think that's... It, it's a, I would say it's a great gesture and it shouldn't be a gesture but... It's more um, it's more feasible than playing at the training ground. I think they'd like it to play there more than they would at the training ground. If you know yeah, what I, mean. I, I don't think Darren was saying like because <laughs> it was actually me. It was me who asked the question. He, yeah. he it wasn't yeah. actually him who was uh, say, was saying that. But it, I think it was just more of a, a point of. Uh, you know, a little point where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We'll have to leave it there, boys, I'm afraid. The clock is ticking, uh, but it's been a great show. Thank you very much indeed for your support on my uh, first show in a few years. Uh, So, Amy Gray is in the... Nice round of applause. Amy Gray is in the chair (laughs) next week uh, from the terraces. I'm back on Christmas Eve. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Take care. Bye for now.